For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Tassi-Stensky right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Hope everybody enjoyed their weekend first and foremost. And we have to start saluting Shaheen Holloway and his boys from St. Peter's on what was a magnificent NCAA tournament run. We'll have Zach Brazil from the New York Post. Tie a nice little bow on this coming up in about 20 minutes or so. But think about this for a minute. St. Peter's College, Shaheen Holloway's boys, are the first local school. And I'm not counting UConn. I'm not counting Syracuse. I'm counting within the inner workings of New York City and New Jersey and the heart of the tri-state area. Sorry, Connecticut, but you get my drift. They're the first team from this area to get to a second weekend in Elite Eight since St. John's in the late 90s, for goodness sakes. To do so as a 15 seed with their budget, with the adversity that they have to deal with to beat Kentucky the way that they did, to beat Murray State the way that they did, and then frustrate Purdue and win that game 
where Ivy was all out of sorts. Purdue's game plan stunk because St. Peter's dictated the terms of the game. was magnificent to watch. Now, I didn't like their chances going into Sunday. I just thought North Carolina was an awful matchup for them because North Carolina has guards that can handle that New York City flavor, can handle that New York City intensity. And Carolina's playing as well as anybody right about now. They're hitting outside shots. They're playing great defense. They had a great win Friday against UCLA. I just didn't like their chances. And I was vindicated. This is one of those games St. Peter's didn't have a chance. Game was over before it even began. Game was over in the first two minutes. Like that first TV timeout, I may have had some money on North Carolina laying eight and a half, and I'm like, I'll be catching this ticket. This is going to end up being a winner. But in no way does this blowout loss to the Carolina Tar Heels take away from what St. Peter's was able to do. It'll go down as one of the most improbable and one of the most incredible NCAA tournament Cinderella runs that we have ever seen. Like, you think of Florida Gulf Coast. You think of those old-school Gonzaga teams. You think of UMBC over Virginia. You think of Oral Roberts. When we have the conversation of Cinderella, this 2021-2022 St. Peter's team will always be a part of the vernacular come NCAA tournament time. And I can only imagine what this win or these couple of wins meant for the university, funding, enrollment, school pride, the basketball program from here on out. Like now, anytime you hear St. Peter's, I'm going to think of two things. I'm going to think of his tournament run, and I'm going to think of a professor, Johnny Massey. Those are the two things I'll be thinking about forever now with St. Peter's. So to get to an Elite Eight, to play with the sort of tenacity that they did, it's an incredible story, and it should not go unnoticed. So hats off to St. Peter's on a great, great run. They're probably going to lose their head coach in the next couple of days, where Shaheen Holloway, who is a Seton Hall guy, played on a Sweet 16 team, coached under Kevin Willard. He's going to be the coach at Seton Hall, and he's got his work cut out for him because the Big East Conference got a lot of brand-name coaches, and you have a behemoth in the Big East Conference, and that's Villanova. So Final Four is going to be a ton of fun. Listen, we love a Cinderella story, especially when it's around here and it's local. But ultimately, what you want at the Final Four is storylines. You got storylines galore for next weekend. You got Carolina Duke playing in the Final Four, playing the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. Then you have Villanova getting back. They don't have more. Kansas, can this be the year that Bill Self wins his second national championship? And if I'm in the bad Monday game, you can't do it. But to have Carolina Duke, that is as box office as it gets. I'd be jealous that I'm not going, except for the fact that I'll be at Stadium Swim in Las Vegas. So if you're not going to be at the Final Four, I mean, that's, that's the place to be, if not better. So I'm looking forward to these games. We'll have our picks. I'm not doing that today. You guys know I'm invested in Kansas at 18-1. We'll save our picks for later in the week on Ringer Gambling. Now. Kyrie Irving made his triumphant return to the Barclays Center today. And what a concept. Kyrie Irving actually on the court playing basketball for the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn continues to be this team that I just can't get a read on, that I can't get a sense on. Because they have games like Saturday against the Miami Heat or a couple weeks back against the Philadelphia 76ers where it's like, geez, this team looks as dangerous. They look as good as anybody. And then you get a fourth quarter like we saw here against the Charlotte Hornets, not anywhere close to what you would call championship caliber. Brooklyn's going to be in that plane. 
there is a good chance Brooklyn is going to be on the road in that plan. It's pressure on. One bad game, off night, you're going home. It's intriguing because it's a team more than capable of winning an NBA title. And Miami has not been great over the last couple weeks. Boston continues to play out of their minds. Milwaukee goes in with Giannis, and they're the reigning champ. I think a lot of people are going to look at them as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I do. I think you've got to take that from them. I think they have earned that. The possibility of a Nets-Philadelphia first-round series is super, super intriguing. Well, now you got Kyrie back in the fold. you got an easy schedule over the next couple of weeks. Go lock in a playoff spot. Get the game at home. You don't have to worry about any COVID restrictions. And let's see if this Brooklyn team can churn together this sort of stretch of top-notch, exemplary basketball that they are going to need if they want to be a champion. Now it's all in front of them. There's no excuse. There's no, uh, what about this? What about that? I guess you could say Ben Simmons. They have enough to go and win multiple rounds in the postseason without Ben Simmons. When you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your team, I don't want to hear about Ben Simmons, okay? That's like that's like having the Peter Lugas Porterhouse. It's like having the cream spinach and saying, oh, I need the, I, I need the schlag or, or I need the bacon. Yeah, of course, it'd be great. But it's not a must. It's not a must. Brooklyn can, I'm not saying they will, they can win a title with this team. I would not put my money on it, but they can. I want to see some good basketball going into the postseason. They'll be there. They'll be in that plan. I want to be feeling good going in that plan. I know you have to run around. Somebody's going to say, well, snap your fingers. You'll be ready to go. Will you? I think that's the million-dollar question kind of hovering around Brooklyn over these next two weeks, these final two weeks of the regular season. Now, I don't get into spring training baseball, and I love baseball. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast or has listened to me for years or watches me on television, I, I can't wait for opening day. I can't wait for the idea to turn the page every single day with the baseball season. But, like, I am not a guy that gets too hyped one way or another on spring training results. Like, I, I just don't. So, Garrett Cole getting roughed up today and not looking great or Seving not looking great for the Yankees is not going to give me a whole lot of agita. It's not going to cause me a whole lot of grief. It's not going to keep me up at night. But, listen, I, I think with Cole going into this year, he and Severino – have to perform at an extremely high level because the way the Yankee rotation shakes out, they have guys who can fill in in those back spots. They need the one-two punch. Like, you know what the Mets, you saw it today, if you paid attention at all this spring game, they have DeGrom and Scherzer. Those guys are healthy. That is the best one-two punch in all of baseball. The Yankees can have a really good one. Cole pitched terribly against the Blue Jays and the Red Sox last year. That can't be the case this year. You want to win a division? Cole's got to be better against those teams. Severino. Maybe it's the idea of getting himself into game shape, starting shape, taking the ball every fifth day. Something he has not done for a couple of years. Yankees need Seve. It's not a luxury to this Yankee team. It's not like, oh, we get Seve back. It's great. No, no, no. The Yankees need Luis Severino if they're going to be a championship caliber team. So that's going to be two storylines that we are watching right out of the gate. Cole against the Red Sox which you'll see on opening day. And then Seve and how he kind of rounds into form and where and Boone and company end up slotting him in the rotation. I hope the judge thing gets done before opening day. If it doesn't, I don't think it's a huge deal. I do think when push comes to shove, Aaron Judge is going to be a New York Yankee. Like, 
I, I don't think it's the sort of overarching question that would just torpedo this season, saying, oh, well, what about Judge? He's a free agent. Like, it'd be annoying from a fan's perspective, have, having to have to, you know, hear about it, talk about it, and break it all down. But, like, if anything, it might it might have fired on the Aaron Judge that much more, saying, hey, well, I got to go and hit 40 moonshots and stay on the field and be a flat-out boss like he was last year. I'm not particularly concerned of opening day deadline, whether or not the Yankees get a deal. I'd say it's 50-50, but if they don't, I'm not going to be devastated. Go out and prove it. That'd be my response to Aaron Judge. Go and be an MVP this year, and those numbers, they're going to look that much better. But we will have our full slate over-unders, season predictions, all that stuff coming up this week. I know Todd Zeal is going to be on the podcast this week. We're working on something from a Yankee perspective. So we'll have both teams fully covered every which way. We'll have our over-unders, which I love to do. And they're fun because, listen, the baseball season takes forever. It's good to have a couple of horses in the race that you can pull for, that you can root for, and kind of take it from there. But it's like, it's hitting me now, folks. Boom. Final four weekend. Come back. Red-eye after the national championship game. Couple of days removed from the baseball season. And then it's Thursday, opening day, Yankee Stadium, Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, Nationals with DeGrom on the mound a couple hours later. And I can tell you without hesitation, you can lock this in right now. I didn't even tell our coordinators this, but listen, the powers that be will figure it out. We will be rocking and rolling with the green room right after the Met game ends. I'm not going to do it right after the Yankee game ends. So, Yankee game, you're going to have to let your responses marinate for an hour or two. That way I could come back. From Yankee Stadium. I can enjoy the Met game. Then I hop on and we'll post that as a podcast. That's going to be our big opening day reaction across the board with you guys and gals involved, hooting, hollering, doing what you do. So that's going to be a big uh, double dip on what is it? A couple Thursdays from now. We are now less than two weeks away from the start of opening day. And this has felt like the longest offseason in the history of baseball. So fired up. Big week. Get you ready for baseball. Get me ready for Vegas. And then when I come back from Vegas, the grind begins, baby. 162. And where am I going to have the Yankees ranked in the American League? And am I going to have the Mets going to the World Series? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, we'll have Zach Braziller to give us a sense and a feel from Philadelphia, the St. Peter's story, the Final Four. He's going to join us, some voicemails, and we'll give you an idea on what I'm thinking about for these over-unders with baseball, specifically Yankee and a Met perspective. If you're wondering about the total, I'll tell you what that is too. All right, we'll come right back. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. 
right, voicemails. Before we get to voicemails, and you're wondering how to get in touch with New York, New York, it's 917-382-1151. That's where we make magic. Um, good thing I was somewhat half-heartedly paying attention to the Oscars, but it is now taking over social media. How about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? I mean, you want to talk about a viral moment on Twitter that everybody's losing their mind over. Chris Rock makes a joke. Will Smith's expense. More Will Smith's wife's expense. Will laughs that it's not so funny. Rushes up to the stage. Slaps him. Then he's got to make a speech basically 45 minutes later because King Richard ended up getting best actor. Brilliant performance from Will. You know, Stefan, I thought initially this has got to be a bit. This has got to be fake. But then when I see Will Smith basically cussing up the storm, Australian television gets that. He's got the bug eyes coming out of him. I know he's a great actor. Dude, am I insane to think that that was a real bit? That there was a real altercation between those two guys? I don't know, man. Uh, You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all, Jay. Um, I I just can't believe it. Like, two of our greatest actors of all time, right? Chris Rock, amazing actor. Will Smith. We don't have to say anything less about him. Um, it just feels, it feels like, I don't know. It just feels, uh, it feels produced. It feels, it doesn't feel real. Like you see two of our favorite actors, one of them just comes up on stage, slaps him, and then just walks back to his seat very calmly and then just starts yelling and then wins an Oscar 30 minutes later. That is so, this feels so sketched to me, to me. Personally. The one thing I'd say, though, and yes, Will Smith did calmly walk back to his seat. Chris Rock looked shook, though. I mean, that is the guy who clearly looked like, what the fuck just happened to me after getting slapped? Like, I absolutely that, that was now maybe he put it off brilliantly and maybe yeah. that's Chris Rock being Chris Rock. I don't know. But he did not come across as the guy who is expecting to get slapped. Does that make sense? I get that part of it. Do I, that's the part that is like this might be real, but this is it's just so wild to me. It's a lot to process in like twenty minutes, thirty minutes, or an hour, or whatever, however long it happened to go. It just feels so. It just feels so wild. It just doesn't feel real. It just doesn't feel real to me. And Twitter, but by I the get, way, is losing their mind. I mean, you want oh, to talk about man. these sort of stunt, one way or another, whether it's real, whether it's fake, whatever that is made for social media. That is made for Twitter. Dude, that was made for Twitter. Absolutely. People are going crazy. It's people who are thinking like, hey, Will Smith is causing a danger to the Oscars. And then there's people like, hey, I get what Will Smith did. Like, he's protecting his wife at that point. And he felt like he crossed the line a little bit. But I just don't know, man. It's just it's just so wild to watch. Like, it's just, I'm just, I'm blo- my mind is blown right now. And then he has to lie. go up and make a speech like 40 minutes later. It's like, hey, Will, you just won Best Actor. Instead yes. of the night being about your brilliant acting, it ends up being this brouhaha. Oh, dude, this is great. I mean, I'm, I'm going to as soon as man. we finish the pod, I'm going to be dialed into the E-Network all night. That's all you need to know. I, <laughs> I will be into the E-Network tonight. I, I see I see the good friend of the pod, uh, Cass, talk about he's going to be watching E-News like he watches Inside the NBA tonight. And Crazy. I, I, I and totally I don't, get it. I don't even it. know what channel the E-Network is. Someone's going to have to tell me. Someone's going to have to help me out. I don't even know. Wild yeah. times, bro. Wild times. Wild, right? wild times. Man. Let's hit some voice bells. Let's hear them, Stefan. JJ, good morning. Uh, it's Anthony in Syosset. It's Sunday morning, um, 20, whatever the hell it is, March. I think it's 27th of March. Um, you know, I wanted to leave you a voicemail, JJ. First of all, it was a pleasure um, 
seeing you Friday night. Obviously, your friends in Syosset and in Farmingdale love it when you come out to uh, Long Island, especially during March Madness. Nice little stretch of games we had. Hopefully, we'll be into a good Final Four. So that's number one. But number two, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but I want to give you an idea of what I think the three biggest factors in terms of players and what they're going to get from players are going to be for the Yankees this year. And two, I think you're going to agree with. And then one, I think you're going to say, what the hell is this guy talking about? But I'll explain it a little bit now and then maybe in more detail when we get closer to the season. Number one, I think for obvious reasons and a no-brainer is Gleyber Torres. I don't have numbers in front of me, but if you were paying attention, when they moved Torres back to second base last year, it felt like he started hitting again, like he found some sort of groove. And I'm not one of these, you know, uh, sabermetric statistician, Ivy League virgins with launch angle and, and this and that. But it was clear he was never comfortable at shortstop defensively. It was more than likely affecting his game offensively. And if you can have a 2018-2019 type Glaber Torres year, 2019 really being the one, um, I, I think that offers huge, huge things for this team. And it offers a sort of, you know, um, umbrella and safety net for this lineup. That's number one. Number two is Severino, who when he came back last year was was moved to the bullpen. So you don't want to get too crazy over five and six out performances. Uh, but Severino looked like his old self last year in those performances. If you can translate that now to the starting rotation behind Garrett Cole, who I expect big things from, big, big things from this year, and that is going to be a lethal one-two punch in a division where, let's call it like it is, I don't right now see a lights-out starting rotation. And then the last thing, and this is where you're going to probably say I'm crazy, and I'll save it for another day, when we mentioned that Severino bullpen roll last year, I've been noticing Debbie Garcia this year, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, the guy, it was unfair what they did to him in 2020 with that, you know, J.A. half game. He never really rebounded from it. He was walking the lights out. He didn't know what his role was. If you can make the 2022 Debbie Garcia, the 2021 late in the year Luis Severino, and you stretch out that bullpen a bit and you give me a reliable arm that can get you anywhere from three to six out, that's a huge, huge thing for a bullpen, which, again, I mean, what are we really expecting from it this year? Appreciate you say, Austin. Look, obvious. Obvious that Glaber and Severino have to be big contributors for the Yankees to have a monster year. Glaber moving back to second base. Glaber, right now, there's a bullseye on him. Glaber does not perform this year. Glaber Torres is going to be playing somewhere else, I think, in 2023. Because LeMay is under contract. Donaldson's going to be here. The Yankees either with kind of Falefa or with Volpe, who's waiting in the wings at shortstop, and they have Anthony Rizzo. Like, this is make or break time for Glaber. And I would take the 2018 version of Glaber. 2018, 2019, Glaber, Yankees are in great shape. Seve, it's about performance, durability, and can he be that too behind Cole? And I'm intrigued by Garcia. Was great for the Yankees in 2020. Last year was a disaster. Remember, the Yankees have had success converting guys into relievers. Think Jabba Chamberlain. Think Phil Hughes. Jonathan Loisaga. They've done a really nice job of taking starting pitchers who have been flawed and get unbelievable results out of them pitching in the bullpen. Maybe that's a role for David Garcia this year. Something to think about. 
I like where the Yankees are at from a pitching standpoint. I really do. That's assuming Severino can be the two. Because if not, who is the number two starter on this team? I think they got a bunch of dudes who can make starts and be effective. I like the Yankee pitching. And Tampa's got exquisite pitching. They do it every single year. I don't love the Red Sox pitching. And I think Toronto's pitching is improved, but it's not great. And the Yankees should have an edge on them in the bullpen. The Yankees need their pitching to really put them to a different level within this division. And remember, the Yankees did a lousy job against the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the Rays last season. That can't happen again. And that's where front and center on my ace, my ace got to beat those teams. Got to beat Boston. I don't want to hear about Fenway Park and uh, the lineup and the dimensions. No, I need Garrett Cole to beat the Red Sox. Cole men on the road. That's his job. That's why he's getting paid a boatload of money. Got to win games like that. Okay, who's next? JJ, Justin at Floral Park. I'm very, very, very happy that MC is in the final four. But, man, St. Peter's, what a run they had. Remarkable. Kind of pained me have to root against them, but I'm hoping now that we can continue the wreckage that they are doing and knock off Duke. They finished off Cameron Indoor with a loss, UNC. I would love nothing more than to have Coach K lose to UNC. Just add fuel to the rivalry. I'm telling you, they are playing out of this world right now, man, defensively and offensively. It's just remarkable. Uh, one of the hottest teams I've seen play, man. I'm, I'm so impressed with them. Loving it, J.J. As, as uh, you know, with the Yankees, I'm not too confident with them. At least I got something here with UNC and maybe my Rangers to make a little run in the spring. Talk to you later, brother. Yeah, the Rangers right now playing good hockey, loaded Eastern Conference. And the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be absolutely loaded. Justin, congrats to your Tar Heels. When North Carolina lost at home to Pittsburgh, they looked like a team that wasn't going to make the NCAA tournament. They got hot at the right time. Remember, they had that win. They pulled out of the fire against Syracuse on Big Monday. It set the stage for ruining Coach K Knight at Cameron. And Carolina? Confident guards. Manic hits every shot. And how good was Caleb Love the other night? I mean, my goodness. he That game with UCLA was so evenly played. So evenly matched. Great, great game with them. The Baycott save, the Love three, that was a game. Sometimes basketball is about one sequence. That one sequence got Carolina to the Elite Eight. And, of course, they were going to find a way to take care of St. Peter's. Too much talent. Too much size. Too good. Carolina, to me, goes into this game. They should be as loosey-goosey as possible. Why do I say that? They're an eight seed. Nobody picked them to go to the Final Four. Duke has to win this game. Like, could you imagine being a Duke player? You lose to Carolina in Coach K's last home game, and then you're going to lose to Carolina in the Final Four? You can't. You can't lose that game to the Tar Heels or, or the Blue Devils, excuse me. You, you can't lose that game. Like for Paolo, for, for Griffin, for Williams, for any of those guys, they can't lose that game. 
because that will stay with them forever. Like, normally you go to a Final Four, and I say this all the time, going to a Final Four is like winning a championship. You get the hat, you get the T-shirt, you cut down the nets. Like, Syracuse going to the Final Four, I celebrated like winning championships. I did. I- I'll admit that. Like, it's like my Yankee championships as a fan, Syracuse Final Four appearances, especially the one in 2016. Anniversary of that was Sunday, by the way. Probably one of my favorite top five old legendary, 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 legendary game. Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon. Oh, it just it gives me the chills thinking about it. it. Gives me the freaking chills. Going to the Final Four is a huge deal. Duke, they go to the Final Four and lose to Carolina, it means diddly squat. I mean, that's as bad as it gets. Sending Coach K out or losing to Carolina in the Final Four? So, Carolina's just got to play free and loose. And gave Hubert Davis a lot of shit for that Baylor game the other day. And he took a lot of criticism and a lot of flack earlier in the year. First year as a coach, taking a team to a Final Four. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. A lot to be proud of. And the ACC. How about the ACC? Everybody talking shit about the ACC. They got three late eight teams, and they got two Final Four teams. Guess it wasn't so bad. Maybe it was in November and December, but you know what I judge a league by? How you doing the tournament? Case closed. That's what it's all about. We'll set the stage for what happened down in uh, Philadelphia today. Shaheen Holloway's future. And we'll try to figure out this Final Four. My main man, Zach Brazil, New York Post, college sports extraordinaire, up next. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. So the final four is set. You couldn't have a juicier Saturday in New Orleans And you couldn't be more proud of local St. Peter's. I don't care what happened against North Carolina today. Shaheen Holloway, that that whole organization, that whole operation. What what a run, what a performance. So let's welcome in our main man, the college sports czar extraordinaire from the New York Post, my good buddy, Zach Brazilla. Zach, how did Philadelphia treat you? What's up, pal? I'm waiting on my train. I'm headed home. And, uh, you know, disappointing night. But like you said, just, I mean, the... The fact that Little St. Peter's is the first local team to get to the Elite Eight in 23 years you know, is so impressive. It was such a great start. You know, that is crazy to think about. Seton Hall's had tournament teams. St. John's hasn't had many tournament teams, but they've had a few. Rutgers been there the last two years. Wow, 23 years. What, what was it, the 98 or 99 St. John's team that lost yeah. to Ohio State? Yeah, that's wow. that St. John's team that really should have made the Final Four, should have beat Ohio State. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And look, I mean, the last local team to make the Sweet 16 was Seton Hall in 2000, which just shows just how, how bad local college basketball has been here. But just, you know, it was a great story. And I thought they were going to get killed by Providence, by Purdue. I, I thought that was like an 85-60 game. And I was stunned that they won that game. And, you know, they, they kind of ran out of gas. North Carolina, to me, is playing like a one or a two seed right now, not a eight seed. Did you get the sense going into this game, Zach, that this was going to be a route? I did. I just didn't like the matchup for them. I know St. Peter's guards are tough. I know they've answered the bell in every single one of these games, and they've played a lot of close games. 
I just didn't like the idea of their guards against Love and company. And basically, Zach, let's be honest, that game was over in the first three minutes. Like, there was never a moment we even flirted with St. Peter's having a chance to win this one. Yeah, they were they were tight. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. St. Peter's was tight in this game. And, you know, you saw it earlier. They're down 9 nothing, And, you know, the shots they were making, they were missing. A lot of shots around the basket. And, you know, I thought Brady Manick was key in that first half. He had two threes as the shot clock expired. That really kind of put some distance in between them. And, yeah, look, at halftime, we all knew the game was over. Even late first half, we knew the game was over. I, you know, Shaheen Holloway felt they didn't really play their game, especially the first 10 minutes. I, I just, like you said, it was kind of had too much length, too talented. Um, you know, look, St. Peter's hit nine threes against Kentucky. That was a big reason that they won that game. And the last two games, they, look, they exposed the Murray State team that wasn't that good. They exposed the Purdue team that wasn't that good. Jaden Ivey is still, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And today, you know, they, they lost to a, a really, a team that's, for the last two months, it's been a really good team. I don't, I, I don't think we can argue that. Okay. Holloway, did you always have the sense, Zach? You're around local college basketball. You're following these MAC programs, these NEC programs, in addition to the Big East, the Big Ten, and the ACC. Did you see Star written all over Shaheen Holloway, or were you kind of, like, amazed with how his story and his team has just captivated New York, the nation, what have you? Did you always get the sense that he had big time coach written all over him? No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I, I think it's, it's that would have been impossible to predict. I, look, one thing I know is this is a guy who's universally respected in New York City and New Jersey, and that's not an easy thing to do to have all the AAU guys and people who all love you. You know, everyone everyone likes to hate on people in you know in the New York City, New Jersey area. So that was one thing he always had going for him. I thought he'd be a good coach. I don't think there's any doubt he he really did a good job with, with Seton Hall under Willard. And then a few years ago, he had St. Peter's finish second in the MAC when all these kids were freshmen and sophomores. But what he's been able to do here was just so impressive. And look, he's, it sounds like he's going to be this next Seton Hall coach. It's not done yet, but all indications are that's going to happen. And, you know, I think he's, he's going to do a really good job there. I was going to ask you that. Do you think he's ready to take it to the next level in the Big East? Do you know how this Big East is? You got Jay Wright, right. Villanova, who's always going to the Final Four. Hurley's there. Ed Cooley's there. McDermott's there. Shaka Smart is there. Not an easy league. You think he's ready for it? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. He, he'll, he'll be fine there. He'll get players. You know, when you're an as, as much as people like him, still, when you're an assistant, there's, there's people send you players, you know, to play for the head coach. Now that he's, he's going to be the head coach there, I, I, he's going to get players. There's no question about it. They're going to play the way St. Peter's played, where they're going to be tough, they're going to be physical. And yeah, I, I think he's going to do a good job. I mean, the guy knows this terrain. He obviously was an assistant at Seton Hall. Now look, Seton Hall fans are, are going to probably have crazy expectations. Don't expect this to be a Sweet 16 team next year. He's going to have to build it. And, you know, they do have some players there still right now, but it's going to take time. But I, I, I think he's going to be a really good coach. He's going to look at that job as a destination job. He's a New York guy who grew up in New Jersey. You know, he's Mr. Seton Hall. He led them to the Sweet 16 as a player. He was part of their renaissance with Willard. He's not going to be looking for other jobs. As long as they, you know, treat him right and pay him right, I mean, this guy's going to be the Seton Hall coach for 15 years. 
And that's what Seton Hall should be looking for. They just had basically a decade with Kevin Willard. They got to the NCAA tournament. He restored order to the program. Now you have a Seton Hall guy coming in. I think it's the perfect slam dunk move for them. Um, when we think back, Zach Braziller, St. Peter's Peacocks, 2022 NCAA tournament, 10 years from now. Are we going to be talking about this team as one of the all-time great Cinderella's? I think the answer is yes. I, I mean, I don't see how we're not. I mean, we've never had a 15 seed do this. We've never, I mean, we've never had a 15 seed get to the Elite Eight. You know, Florida Gulf Coast lost and Oral Roberts lost. I know Oral Roberts was actually close with Arkansas last year, but we've never seen this. And it wasn't even just that it's a 15 seed. You've had 15 seeds that are, you know, this is Little St. Peter's with an enrollment of 2,100 with, you know, bare-bones facilities, a bare-bones, you know, budget. I mean, what they were able to do was incredible. They have a team of guys who are unrecruited and, you know, two-star players. It, it's one of the great stories in NCAA tournament history, in my opinion. Set the stage for anybody who was wondering what that building was like today. It seemed like going in, Zach, even though North Carolina is this blue blood, they're this power, they have alum, they have fans all over the tri-state area that can make the hike down to Philly. There obviously is a contingent of Carolina alums, I'm sure, in Philly. Dude, that felt like a partisan St. Peter's crowd. Am I, am I crazy? No, I think he was probably 65 to 70%. Now, it wasn't Friday night. Friday night was like 80, 85, which partly is because all the UCLA and North Carolina people were rooting for St. Peter's. But no, that, that crowd was St. Peter's. That was, I would say, 65 to 70, which, you know, surprised me. I thought maybe it'd be closer to 55 to 60. And look, they didn't have a lot to cheer up. But even in the second half when they were down 20, whenever something good would happen, they would be into the game. I mean, they really, really, you know, kind of, they were the story of this tournament. No question. I mean, they stole the attention, you know, here in the Northeast. And there was just a, a really fun team to be around. Real likable players, obviously a likable coach. And it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't quite think the players quite understood how just rare and unlikely this is. I think, I think Holloway did just because look, he, he, you know, he knew what it, how tough it was to get to Sweet 16. He's been a coach who's, you know, been one and done in the NCAA tournament. But I don't think people quite, you know, grasp just just the enormity of this. A 15 seed with this this tiny little school getting, you know, by look, by tip off five o'clock today, there were five teams left in the NCAA tournament and they were one of them, which is just just absolutely remarkable. It's you know? mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. Now look, they're not gonna have their head coach next year. They're gonna bring back a lot of these guys. But as far as the long-term ramifications, Zach, do you think this Elite Eight run is a game-changer for that athletic department and that basketball program, or is it a one-year freak-of-nature anomaly, and that's kind of the way we're going to look at it? Oh, I, look, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to be a team in the tournament every year. They're still in the conference with, with Iona and Ricotino, but I do think it's very significant for the school. Um, it's very significant for that athletic program. I think you're going to see, well, it's going to certainly you know, improve school pride. Everyone was really behind this, this school now. And people here at St. Peter's, they're going to they're gonna think of this. You know, they're, it, it, next year, if a 15 team wins, they're going to say, well, look at so-and-so is trying to pull a St. Peter's. Uh, I don't think you, if, it's got to have an impact. It's got to have, you know, uh, significance. I, I don't see how it can. Buddy, you've been doing college sports for a long time for the post. Is this the most stoked you have ever been going to a Final Four? Yeah, it's pretty. You know, I'd be more into it if if Justin Moore wasn't hurt. I have to admit, because 
I just don't. I think North Carolina Duke winners winning winning championship. I don't think Villanova. Wow, could, you were even selling Kansas short. You're giving Kansas no respect here, buddy. Not. I, I just. I really. I mean, I think the way Duke played the other day, no one beats them. That's their, their Duke's A game is better than anyone else's. But I do. But I don't expect them to now. Just you know, all of a sudden play their A game back to back to back. When you have a fear factor though of the winner of that Carolina Duke game, all the emotion going into it, rivalry, Final Four, whoever ends up winning, could you see a little bit of a hangover on Monday night? I could definitely see That's that, fair. dude. Definitely. Especially can... if Kansas is playing in the game. Nova, I get it. The injury is a killer for them. But if Kansas right. goes into that game and they win, let's say, a comfortable game, and you got a war with Carolina and Duke, be careful there with my Jayhawks, Brazilla. Be careful. Yeah, That's fair. Um, I also think Villanova's going to give Kansas a game. They're oh, I do too. Because yeah, I ain't underestimating that team. Zach, no, you know no. what makes them so good? They know how to execute in the half court. And when the game is tight, they don't make mistakes and they hit every free throw. I watch Houston. I watch these other teams. They can't hit a free throw. Nova goes to the line. Dude, that is such an enormous advantage when you got college kids shooting 80%. That's crazy. I, I thought Houston's game plan was horrible. I mean, Horrendous. Horrendous. 23s. They, Villa, every time Houston took a three, Villanova was was uh, was thanking them. It was I, I couldn't believe, it. especially once they started going inside. They got within two once they really started hammering them in the paint, and they went back to shooting threes. It was look, I, Kellen Sampson's a terrific coach. What he's done there is, is remarkable. But he had a bad game on sun, on Saturday. His players had a bad game. That was a game they should have won, in my opinion. Now look, no more is tough, but Villanova is going to look. They're going to slow that game down. They will control pace. Jermaine Samuels has been phenomenal. I, I don't think Villanova can win the championship, but I tell you, three minutes left, that's probably a five-point game. I, I, I would not be surprised. And let's be honest, dude. There's no bad championship game on Monday night. You know, like normally you could go into these Final Four weekends and you could kind of yeah. like find a weak link of a championship game. What's the bad game? If it's Kansas, Carolina, it's Roy Williams old schools. If it's Kansas, Duke, that's an amazing game two top teams, or if I give you North Carolina-Villanova rematch at a championship, which is one of the great games in college basketball history, or if you get Duke-Nova, it could be billed as this, like, passing of the torch from Coach K to Jay Wright. Zach, find me the bad championship game. You can't do it. Can Villanova beat, I mean, I just think... I just Can think Villanova Duke's... win this thing on Monday? No. They cannot. Yeah, I agree with my... you on that. They can win Saturday. I cannot see Villanova winning on Monday night. But I think just, Kansas, yeah. I think Kansas deserves to be favored going into this thing, dude. I do. Wait, wait. You think they should be the favorite to win it all? Yes. Because wow. of their matchup on Saturday. Because I think as tough as Nova may be, Carolina Duke with the way Carolina's playing, that's a coin flip game, ZP. Coin flip game. No, look, it's it's gonna be the atmosphere is gonna be bananas. Have you by the way, have you seen the prices? From Raleigh to New Orleans, someone posted it on Twitter. The airline prices, one way over three thousand dollars. Woo! <laughs> Ooh, I, I get a rental car at that point, ZB. I get oh, the rental man. car. All of North Carolina is going to try to is going to try to be in New Orleans. It's oh, gonna that be, is going to uh, be a hop and scene. Listen, if uh, the only the only reason I'm not going to have major FOMO, dude, is because I will be in Las Vegas for the game. So when I am at Stadium Swim on Saturday. With a Bloody Mary in hand, with projected screens in the pool watching the game, I won't be missing New Orleans. But that, 
I mean, Zach, to have that Final Four in that city, in that environment, dude, I think it's going to be the most raucous Final Four you have ever covered. Yeah, look, the the by, by Saturday night at about, you know, 8.45, that building is going to be, I mean, is going to be at a 10. And look, the Wells Fargo Center was great. Like, I... You know, I love I love the 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 second weekend just because you have full buildings and their arenas. They're not domes, but that dome on Saturday night is going to be electric. Give my ACC some credit, buddy. Be fair. Oh man! Hey, Who listen. Thought? We so I want to throw this out there for everybody. I'm in a group chat with Braziller and Matt Eholt, one of the all time greats, and the two of them were just <laughs> ragging on the ACC. The league sucks. These teams are not any good. I mean, Ehol was telling me they should basically get two teams in the NCAA tournament. ZB, all things considered, three Elite Eight teams. Miami, give them credit, but they ran out of gas against Kansas. And Carolina Duke playing in the Final Four. That's a nice year for the ACC. And, dude, I don't care how many tournament teams you get in. It's about what you do when you get in the tournament. There's no luck in that. You don't even mention Notre Dame, which nearly made the Sweet 16. Oh, and they should have beat Texas Tech, too. Great point. They should have beat Texas I mean, Tech. They got they got a terrible whistle the last ten minutes of that game. I mean, I'm and look before North Carolina figured it out late, and before, you know Virginia Tech winning the ACC tournament, they were looking at possibly three teams, and they get five. They get uh, three in the Elite Eight. Um, you know, I, I still don't think Wake Forest belonged in. You know, because they no, I nobody. agree with that. They beat nobody yeah. down a stretch, and they collapsed down a stretch. And their non conference was was Awful. horrendous. I think it was Sisters like three fifty four, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But no, hey, the league did. Here's one, my, here's one issue I have. Now you have all these people saying, oh, there's this false narrative about the ACC. The ACC was not a good league. Just because they were great in March doesn't mean the league was good. Like, they played. No, great. I agree with that. It was a down year in the regular season. But right. I think there's vindication when you go and play in the tournament like this. Like, no, no, would, you I, rather I, have I, their, would you rather have their year or the Big Ten's year? It's not even close. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you. But my, my overriding point is let's not now forget the regular season. Now, the ACC deserves plenty of credit and there is vindication, but you've got people on social media now saying, oh, the, the media was unfair to the ACC all season. They should have got more teams, this and that. You know, no. The ACC was not good. The ACC was not good non-conference. You had teams underperformed during the regular season and now, look, they figured out in March and that just, you know, it kind of belabors the point about college basketball. A few good weeks in March wipes out four, you know, four bad months. Thousand percent. I say it every year. I'd rather just get in the tournament and get hot at the right time because you're going to have a much more satisfying feeling than being ranked all year and losing like UConn, for example, who had a fine regular season and they lose to New Mexico State in the first round. That is as bad as it gets, dude. Losing tournament games like that is as bad as it gets. Or or Auburn, who's who's number one in the country and loses and gets you know destroyed in the second round. That you know? team, didn't that team have shades of the Tyler Ennis Syracuse team from 13-14? Yeah, I mean, look, you could see it coming. They were they had they were they were playing poorly just going in. I think they might have lost the game to Georgia. You know, they they were not good late in the year. And you know, let, let's be let's be fair. Bruce Pearl can recruit, he can motivate. He's not a good game coach. We've seen it plenty. He's, he's not a good game coach. ZB, who's playing on Monday night and who's winning? You're taking Duke. You're buying into the yeah. storyline. I can tell. I can tell. You're picking Duke. I'll say that. Look, before I give you my prediction, I'm going to say this. I can see Duke being really tight Saturday night. So North can Carolina, I. 
So could North I. Carolina I have not. Now, full disclosure, loose. Zach, I have not decided who I'm picking in that game yet. I have not decided. I will What's 100%. The, uh, I will be on Kansas. Do you want to know the line? So well, let, me guess, let me guess. Duke, Go Duke by four? Duke by four? Close. Duke by four and a half. Okay. I think it's a fair uh-huh. line. But isn't it yeah. crazy, Zach, when they played at Cameron, what was it, a month ago, Duke was laying double digits. Crazy. And what, Kansas by six? Nope. Kansas line is low. Kansas only favored by four against Villanova. I, I mean, I guess maybe because the more injury stuff just dropped, like, you know, a few hours ago, maybe, but I think, Vig- be, I think Vegas, re- seven. I think Vegas respects Villanova. I think that's what it boils down yeah. to. And they respect Jay Wright. I understand why I do. So, yeah, but my thoughts, I, I think Duke, like North, if you're North Carolina, you have nothing to lose. Just getting to the final four is just a phenomenal achievement. You already ruined coach K night, you know, at, at Cameron. If you ever won this game, I don't know how the Duke, these Duke players live it down, basically letting down Coach K in his last season. Now, if Duke plays the way it did the other day, I don't think Carolina can beat them, but I'm not counting on Duke to give you their A-plus game once again. I still think they'll find a way to win a close one, but I think it's going to be a great game. I'd probably take Carolina to cover, honestly. But you like Duke to win. Would you say, yeah. so you think Duke's best chance of losing is to the Tar Heels? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm not giving Kansas enough respect. They were that. Yeah, I think you're selling Kansas a little short, okay. by the way. I think you're selling them short. They have no. They, they are. I mean, there is nothing about them that interests me. They are, there's 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 nothing about Kansas that interests me. But they, hey, they played really well. But how many well. years do we kill Bill Self for not getting in the Final Four? We got to give him credit when he actually gets there. You know what I mean? Oh no, no doubt about it. They they played really well. This week. I mean, especially that second half today. I mean, they were terrific. You know, and, and that's even with, you know, Ogba has not even had a good tournament. I think he was, before today, he was averaging like 10 a game in the tournament, which is, which is stunning. You know, maybe, maybe you're right. Look, if Duke, if Duke has to fight tooth and nail to win like an 81-80 game Saturday night and then turn around 48 hours later to face a wrestling Kansas team, that definitely is a factor. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it'd be a great, now look, I don't think, I think Duke-Kansas would be a great game. I don't know about necessarily Kansas storylines going into that game. You know, unless you're a, you live in Kansas and you're a big Jayhawk fan, I don't know that there's that much about this team that's, you know, that kind of pulls you in, like Nova's pulls you in, like Carolina pulls you in, like, you know, Duke, Coach K pull you in. But look, they've been really good. And yeah, I think we get a really, I think we get a really good weekend. You know, I, I know everyone loves Cinderella's and, you know, I do too. I love the underdogs. But when you get the big boys all together, you, it sets you up usually for some great games. ZB, enjoy New Orleans. When you come back, DeGrom, Scherzer, and the NL East winning New York Mets. You like the sound of that? What about um, Shelby Miller and the Yankees? Uh, listen, I, I think the Yankees are still going to win in 90 games. They're still going to end up as a playoff team. Uh, I, I just don't know if they have a championship caliber roster. That's really the issue. That division is just a monster. You know? Did you see the Red Sox are 600 to win the AL East? Well behind Toronto, the Yankees, and Tampa. Vegas giving the Red Sox absolutely no respect. That's Zero. surprising. They just, you know, they just they just brought in Story, which I think is a nice little move. They'll be great with the monster. Uh, yeah. Lost Schwarber, though. That's a big loss for them, losing Schwarber. Big loss. Yeah. I'll tell you, the NL East has gotten a lot better the last few weeks. Phillies are going to score a ton of runs, dude. Buck off for that. They're not going to be able to feel, but they're going to score a <laughs> ton of runs. Yeah, they still have no bullpen. I, I think the Mets I think the Mets left themselves an arm short of the bullpen. Um I, I do not like, you know, 
first of all, I don't know like Edwin Diaz still is my closer. That's not exactly comforting. And I think they, they're lefty short. And look, I'm sure they'll go out and do something at the deadline. Um, but, you know. And also, how about Conforto not having a home yet? Yeah, I figured he would have signed somewhere. I, I, mean, I, I, would take, I would take him on the Yankees over Joey Gallo. But that's neither here I mean, nor there. You, you got to figure he's going to sign like a one-year $12 million deal in the next few days. I mean, yeah, can't days? sign with the Mets, though. I don't think he can go back there, personally. I don't. Well, because he'll be a, he'll be a, you know, you're not playing. He's not going to get enough somebody. playing time. Exactly. If you're in a prove it deal, you need to get every day at bats. There's no given he's getting every day at bats with this outfield being the way that it is. No, no way. No, no, he's not. I mean, between Kana and Marte and some of these other guys, you know, Dom Smith's going to have to play. And, you know, no, I mean, look, yeah, you can't bring him back to the Mets. I, I, I if they're going to spend any money the rest of this, you know, to beef up this team, I'd rather it be a, a reliever anyway. ZB, go catch that train. Enjoy New Orleans. <laughs> uh, have a, a couple of, what are those, those hurricanes? Have one oh, or two I'm, on I'm my sure on my behalf, and I will send you a picture from Stadium Swim with the Bloody Mary and maybe a, uh, a cigar. We shall see. All right, buddy. Have a good one. There you have it. That's Zach Brazil at the New York Post. Shaheen Holloway on his way to Seton Hall. That'd be a terrific, terrific hire. Good chance that's happening in 24, 48 hours. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Always fun having ZB on made the train. I'm glad that I didn't inconvenience. That's always a dicey, dicey proposition. Um, maybe we'll have some clarity to real or fake in the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, I, I can promise you this. I, I will not be slapping anyone in Las Vegas because I do not want to spend any time in Las Vegas holding cells over the uh, next couple of days. I can promise you that will not be a thing. If it is, we got, we got major, major issues and major, major problems on our hands. By the way, in case you're wondering, FanDuel dropped the Yankee in the Met win total 91 and a half for each. 91 and a half. Good totals. I wouldn't go anywhere near the American League East, though. Jays, Rays, Red Sox, like just too many evenly matched teams. Those are going to be some very, very dicey win totals. And one note on Jet, little perspective. If they can go and get themselves a star wide receiver, and that's been the, the story of the last three weeks in the NFL, you know, teams moving star receivers, Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Seen some rumblings about DK Metcalf. I think that's at least reasonable. Don't see any way the Tennessee Titans move A.J. Brown. The Titans need A.J. Brown. I mean, uh, you take him off that offense. That offense, even with Derrick Henry there, is just way too ordinary. And way too vanilla. They need A.J. Brown there. And Ryan Tannehill most certainly needs A.J. Brown there. So I cannot see him being on the move. D.K. Metcalf on a retooling, rebuilding Seattle team? Never say never. I know Danny Kelly kind of ruled it out a couple weeks ago, but I'll leave you on that note. Never say never. Especially with the way this offseason is shaking out. Fun show. We're back Thursday. Maybe a day early. We might be out on Wednesday. That remains to be seen. We'll have a show for you this week. Very busy on the ring of gambling fee. We'll have something on Tuesday. We'll have our final four pod. Maybe the trifecta reunites. You never know. Give all our credit. He was so close on Miami. That would have been one hell of a, you know, that drop. 
bat flip, whatever the hell you want to call it. Actually, it's more of a mic drop than a bat flip, but you get you get mic drop. Close enough. Nailing Miami to the lead eight. It's a hell of a prediction. Hope everybody enjoys their week. JJ out. We'll chat midweek. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.